This is future Ariel coming in hot with a disclaimer. This is a conversation about ADHD by two people who have ADHD. If you don't have ADHD, this conversation will be incredibly informative, but it also might be hard to follow both in terms of jargon, but also the structure of the conversation. I still think you should listen to it. I think you should try and push through any confusion. All jargon will eventually be explained, and I think it will help you understand the people in your life with ADHD better. So, on with the show. Welcome to Fixation Station, the podcast about obsessions. Well, this episode is going to be a little bit different because we're actually going to be talking not about my guest's obsession, but about like the nature of obsession, particularly as regards ADHD. My guest, Portland-based comedian and therapist, mm-hmm. Eliza Butler. Hi, Eliza. Hello, hello. And it's almost like a little bit unfair because since like that, or not unfair, but like since I found out I have ADHD, like I've been hyper fixated on it. So like <laughs> it's like a snake eating its tail. You know what I mean? <laughs> For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and you're you you work mostly with neurodivergent people, right? Or yes, yeah. And that was like not necessarily on purpose. That's actually kind of what led me to seek out my own diagnosis because I looked up and my whole client base was like autistic, ADHD, or both. And I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> um, I mean, and there's like family history and things like that. So right. Like, and it was like during the first year of the pandemic, and I was, you know, I think we'll probably see like a statistical spike in diagnosing. Cause I think a lot of people are like, okay, I'm home all the time. And yet I'm still having these same problems. Like what's going on here. Right. Also like, so. you know, if people had kind of suspected now they had like time to, to deal with it. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I have this strong feeling that like neurodivergent therapists working with neurodivergent clients makes a big difference. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and I've had clients tell me the same, it's not just like vibes, but so, <laughs> you know, it makes makes sense just mm-hmm. in general because like when you get advice from neurotypical people it is that usually yes. <laughs> yes I I cannot tell you how often I have to say like that advice is not for us <laughs> like that advice like sleep advice oh my god do not get me started like sleep hygiene stuff just like don't even fight <laughs> with my mother about that very recently anyway we should probably define terms because sure. uh yes that's fair <laughs> how would how are we defining neurodivergent, for example? <laughs> well, you know, neurodivergent as a term really just means kind of everyone who doesn't have any kind of like mental health mm-hmm. something, like the person who coined the term. Um, I think a lot of times it's used as shorthand for autism and ADHD. And mm-hmm. I wish there was like a better term specifically to kind of carve those out. Mm-hmm. Um, but like OCD, dyslexia, um, bipolar, schizophrenia, like anything that's like not just you know which I'm like who are these people who have never had like any mental health anything like who are you I don't know (laughs) but yeah um, yeah so I use it as shorthand a lot I just I wish there was a better word yeah it it is it is tough because I do think there's something particular about uh autism and ADHD Mm -hmm. and uh but I also think using as broad a definition is also like helpful because like yeah I think both are useful I you know yes as a as a philosopher I don't really think that like words have meaning independent of use Anyway, we could talk no, about absolutely yeah I'll that could be a whole other hour <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do an episode of Evan Kinstein later I'm yeah. sure get, get excited audience for the yes. episode. it is coming um in the meantime occasionally I'll say this episode this podcast is secretly about ADHD and I don't know if people who don't ADHD know what are what I'm talking about and partially I I did that because I have ADHD and it would be literally like or it wouldn't be impossible I know people who do it but I would it would require a lot more effort if I were to try and make a podcast that was always on on topic, for example, but also hyperfixation uh, for people who don't know is a, a symptom of ADHD. People think of ADHD as only being distracted, but we can also. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I have so <laughs> many thoughts. 
there's like a difference between hyperfocus and hyperfixation that we, oh for sure also people get confused yeah it's very easy to hyperfocus on your hyperfixation right and then you're like you know <laughs> multiple layers like doubling down okay so um, why do we why do we how discuss what is hyperfixation? So hyperfixation is, I mean, and I think in some ways it can feel kind of analogous to like the autistic special interest, except mm. autistic special interests tend to be kind of long lasting. Mm. Um, I, I think the thought used to be that um, they were kind of lifetime, but mm. there was research actually that came out last fall that showed for autistic women that they can change over time. But mm. it's basically just like being like essentially super obsessed with something. With ADHD, I think about it like until you ring the dopamine out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Until there's just like no more dopamine. Yeah. So it can just kind of like come on really suddenly and just kind of end really suddenly. Yeah. I, I don't, there was a while there to give people an idea where I would be, I would get hyper fixated with like tragedies and sports. And I don't, Mm-hmm. I don't watch sports, but yes, <laughs> but I got really in. Like literally, all I talked about for a while was OJ Simpson, and then it was oh my god, it's so embarrassing that I can't remember this name because it was all I talked about for three months. I'm gonna Google it. Uh, there was a tragedy in Liverpool soccer uh, with the the stadium and like the crushing. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Hillsborough disaster. I'm, I'm it, yes. and I mean, like, again, it's also, it's kind of weird, like, in terms of respect, it's also, okay, for people who don't know, there was a crush at um, a stadium in Hillsborough for Liverpool that was absolutely preventable, and 96 people died, and uh, the way, the press dealt with it was absolutely disgust. They really like blamed the victims when really it was absolutely uh, the people in charge of the stadium's faults. And, but yeah, it, it like, <laughs> it does, it does like, get weird. Random. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It can be, it can be like bad stuff. <laughs> this is why I brought that yeah. up as an oh, example. Absolutely. Like, yeah. 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 Well, and there's a great podcast called Crime and Sports. So if you ever, if that hyperfixation never comes back, <laughs> like years if I, ever, if I ever need a hyperfixation, I think that's also, it can also be like, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it can also be like a crot, like you can hyperfixate on a person. Yes. Like oh God, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I do that a lot. There's a, uh, a, a huge correlation between me being like obsessed with a man and a presidential election. <laughs> <laughs> Where well, I'm just like stress relief, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, uh, but, yeah. Exactly. Like I can't, I can't deal with all of this, so I'm gonna worry <laughs> about a, a mediocre man. <laughs> yes. No, and they always are. Yeah. It's like when you I get mean, past that fixation, it's like, oh, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> like, what was going on there? <laughs> but I mean, I'm glad you figured out your correlation. You got yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> your next one. <laughs> look, look at male population in about a year. Jesus, <laughs> presidential elections are also too long. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so uh, again, for people who don't know, we mentioned dopamine a while ago. Again, yeah. this might be a very inside baseball, but I'm going to try and make it. Okay. What is dopamine and how does that relate to ADHD? <laughs> yeah. So dopamine is, uh, what's the word? Neuro chemical. It's, it's a chemical that we all have in our bodies. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, it, um, reward pleasure. Um, like, uh, gambling is really great for dopamine. Um, that kind of intermittent reinforcement, um, but I think <laughs> the most, oh, I'm sorry, say it again. Twitter. Twitter. Oh my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or even like, you know, like mobile games, things like that. I know at some point um, in the past, like when Candy Crush was huge, I remember reading they had psychiatrists on staff to make them more dopamine producing 
like um and that's for like normies <laughs> so like <laughs> for us it's just like almost irresistible yeah you know what I mean but like um I think I was reading so some research says that um, people with ADHD might have more dopamine receptors. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we necessarily have less dopamine. We just have more thing or more receptors and neurons. We require it more. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we do, that's where the kind of impulse control problems come in and, you know, hyperfixations and things like that. It, it is a way to kind of induce dopamine. Um, right. And I, I also see anxiety doing this, right. Kind of like mm-hmm. when there's like lack of dopamine, that's where anxiety comes in. So when I work with clients who have kind of like treatment resistant anxiety, I start to wonder if there's ADHD there. If people are doing the right things for anxiety, taking the medications and it's not helping, there's something else going on. And I think it's anxiety that's secondary to ADHD when dopamine isn't present. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I also, this you all know better language, but I, I know certain people in my life who I think have sort of develop maybe developed anxiety as almost a coping mechanism oh yeah ADHD so like because like it's so hard for us to stay focused on things if we Mm -hmm. develop anxiety and Mm -hmm. we're just so worried about it then maybe like we're less likely yes absolutely to the crash Yeah. And I think, and I, I often say that like neurodivergent, and in this case, I mean, autistic and ADHD people Mm -hmm. don't get to Mm -hmm. adulthood without trauma. And that anxiety is a trauma response Mm -hmm. to people calling you lazy. Oh, well you care about that, but why can't you do this? And just kind of all of those kind of long-term microaggressions. Yeah. Um, which then, yeah, leads to, to anxious people who are like, Oh my God, I can't be late. I can't miss it. I can't forget. Right. And then you still do (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah yeah I do think like um I did notice I'm like late much more often now Mm. I think for example because like I used to I used to worry a lot about being on time so I would be some people from my past are shaking but I'm really like late like I'm literally never on time like I can't be on time anymore um And it, I think it's because my anxiety is just like the world is at it. Like I can't yes. also yeah, yeah. get you on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have found that since the, after the last couple of years, it is much harder for me to kind of like mount that anxiety response. Yeah. When it comes to Cause yeah, it's like, okay, have you seen outside? Like <laughs> it's not, it's not great. Like why are we worried about five or 10 minutes? You know what I mean? Yeah. So um. I also do think it's interesting sometimes because um, most, a lot of my friends have ADHD or or autism, which is, I think, again, not. That's so common. Yes. We find each other. Yeah. (laughs) I also think that can make diagnosis slightly more difficult because you'll just be like, everybody's like this. And it's like, no. Yeah. Just the people you're. (laughs) It's also so heritable. Like, again, the research doesn't show this, but like, my suspicion is that every neurodivergent person has at least one neurodivergent parent, not Mm -hmm. both. And so you're raised, and you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was like, um, my mom hasn't had an official diagnosis, but like, once I got my diagnosis, my sister had a childhood diagnosis. Like, I see my mom and I'm like, oh my God, she totally has ADHD. So the stuff that she taught us how to manage just seemed normal right you know yeah. and so you don't really know and then comedies are you kidding comedies <laughs> full of neurodivergent people like I would I'm like more surprised if someone isn't right, <laughs> yeah. are because I think one you know we were talking about like the diagnosis uh, you know around like, executive functioning and that's what people think you know um like lack of focus you know what I mean right. but I do think one thing that autism and ADHD have in common is kind of almost called like the emperor's new clothes where we're the only ones being like, but why is, why are things like this? Right. You know, like, why do we do things like that? And that's like (laughs) a really rich and fertile ground for comedy, you know? Right. Absolutely. I was interesting. uh, This is a while ago, but I think about it often. Uh, Hannah Gadsby was on um, Mm -hmm. Mark Maron and uh, Mm -hmm. WTF. And she was talking about how she thinks a lot of like, the comedians who were like women are like this and men are like this Mm -hmm. are actually autistic men describing 
like neurotypical people and the only like but the um, example of neurotypical people in their lives mm-hmm. were their wives basically and I do think there's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh my yeah. god <laughs> well and I know we've talked about like Jerry Seinfeld and yes like, uh, yes so- and that was like when I real when we talked about that I was like oh my god of course he is of course <laughs> he is you know it's like yeah it's just like so yeah. it's like once you know what autism and ADHD and you know there's like something like I mean it's a huge spread but like 30 to 80 percent of autistic people also have ADHD I don't know the numbers the other way but that's just right. like there's so much overlap there you know right. what I mean so yeah anyway, like oh of course yes so <laughs> we so, know what to work for yeah I so I had a tweet yeah. that was like Seinfeld's uh autism I can't remember the order I did it in uh, Jerry autism. Uh, oh yeah, Kramer ADHD. Yes. Uh, George anxiety, which is a little bit off. And then it was like Elaine woman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a great tweet, by the way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's a fantastic tweet. Uh, and then like a couple of people, I think people kind of push back on the autism, thing, and I'm just like, I'm I'm sorry. Like, and he. I know what to tell you? Yeah. <laughs> This whole thing is like, what's the deal with social? Exactly. Or even like <laughs> his like writing habit where he like has his chain of writing every single day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has like his little X's on the calendar. I remember reading about that. It's like, oh my God, you know, that routine. Yeah. Just like, no sense, you know? Um, yeah. It's interesting. Being, I was like, did academic philosophy for a while. And there's also oh, mm-hmm. like a lot of uh, neurodiversity. I mean, again, it's. Sure it's the thing you were saying before about like questioning everything like why that's literally what philosophy is uh yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um socrates was autistic (laughs) probably i don't know it's also like it's tough you know it you know it was a while ago right right uh but uh yeah uh yeah so I think people who are maybe like not experienced with AD, people with ADHD and people with autism they're probably stupid if you are if you want to get into the mind of somebody with ADHD which is secretly one of the purposes of this whole project is yeah. that like people think that uh people with ADHD can't focus on anything but really it's that reward centers in our brain are like we don't know exactly the mo- mechanism but it has something to do with dopamine and it's hard for things that give you an, a steady amount of dopamine give us like none right. and then it's like impossible yes or very exactly. difficult to do them uh yeah I think and there's like you know some kind of talk in the field of renaming it because it's like you're saying it's not a deficit of attention it's a challenge with where to put it you know and so right so when we talk about fixation right you've got something new something to like learn about um you know people with ADHD often just love to learn stuff to you know Mm -hmm. just to learn it and so it's something new and again it's like dopamine providing and also I see um, people who have like a kind of a graveyard of different crafts that they've tried, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh my I God, like, maybe I, relate to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little, like I, I was like super into knitting for like a while and like, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my God. And there's like, for whatever reason with ADHD, we always want like the best supplies for our, for our hyper fixations. Well, because we're going to be totally different people this time. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. <laughs> And so, yeah, like, so every, there's so, there's a million different types of yarn and all these different patterns and like, it's just, they're just little hits of dopamine all over the place. Right. Like, right. and that's when it goes for like any type of hyperfixation. Right. I mean, and like you said, it can be people, uh, it can be some people, I'm one of these people where, um, it's like, it can be a type of food and that's like all I want to eat. And then one mm. day it's like, I might've eaten it yesterday. I eat it today. It tastes disgusting. Like it's really hard for people who don't have that to understand. Yeah. Um, and like, and if it's the thing that you want to eat and you don't have it, like I will go to bed hungry before I eat something that was not the thing that my hyperfixation wanted. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I, 
mine is not I'm like I'm okay but sometimes I'll get like that and the worst is when you're you're struggling with like the other stuff in your life and you're like I need a hyperfixation meal right now so I just oh, don't know what to God. eat and I yes. don't have one it's the worst feeling yeah. in the world it feels <laughs> it feels physically bad yeah like like being between hyperfixations is if or at least for me I could say physically yeah. it feels bad um, yeah because like I, I, my, some part of my brain knows I need the dopamine, doesn't know what's going to do it. And mm-hmm. then it's just like ugh, being like kind of locked into place almost. It's yeah. terrible. It is also like, again, uh, like it is also difficult when you have ADHD and your friend has a hyperfixation that you're not interested in. That's also like kind of like an interesting sure. dynamic where you're like, I, I totally understand why you're talking about this right now but I like literally cannot care <laughs> right right exactly yeah. like I'm super happy for you but <laughs> this is not making with the dopamine here so <laughs> yeah it's tough um yeah I think I, again that's like yeah I was gonna talk about <laughs> there's so many hypers there's also a hyperactivity <laughs> Right. Which is interesting because I mean, you know, there's like hyperactive type ADHD, inattentive type and combined, but even if someone's like fully inattentive, they might still have some um, hyperactive. And and I think in adulthood that gets translated into a lot of fidgeting. I can't like, I can see like as my medication wears off over the day, because I'm on (laughs) Zoom with my clients and I just cannot keep my hands out of my hair. So, uh, or like not be able to sit still during a meeting and things like that, where it's yeah, like, I, oh my God. I was hyperactive, but then I was like, oh, actually I see it. It just gets tra- like so many other things, right. Kind of transmuted into other things as an adult. <laughs> like a thing that a lot of people will get, will get confused about is like, they'll be like, oh, if you're hyperactive, why is the treatment for ADHD a stimulant? Um, right. And that's like the reason why people are being hyperactive is because, I mean, if that feels when you're, when you're in that meeting, that's been going too long and you like, can't move like, like it, as an adult, you know, that you aren't going to physically die of board, but like, it feels like, it feels like you are going to die. I I don't know. And if you're like a little kid and you're experiencing that, of course you're going to like, be running around the room like what it hasn't been it hasn't been like shamed out of them yet you know yeah (laughs) I mean I've I've never seen this but I read once where someone was like you know everyone's had that that um, student who falls asleep in the back of class and falls out of their chair but really that's a it can be an ADHD person who's like so bored their brain's like I'm out and I was like okay I've I've never seen that but like it can get to that point and some people were just like not happening (laughs) I am so (laughs) bored (laughs) we're not gonna do this you know? Yeah. Um, I could, yeah. I've personally never experienced that, but I could, no, I could I <laughs> either, but I was like, Oh, I mean, and one thing it's so kind of interesting to me. Um, and I talk a lot with my clients about like we have, and I always do this, like the cognitive brain, right? Like a prefrontal cortex mm-hmm. and then our emotional brain and our emotional brain is who is in charge. Like our cognitive brain thinks it's in charge, but it is not. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, when it comes to things like, why don't you just do this? Or why don't you just sit still or whatever? It's like, you can want to all you want, but the rest of your brain is just like, this is not happening right now. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Emotion brains one who's in charge. (laughs) Yeah. I I recently taught my mother that like phrase executive dysfunction and I probably (laughs) (laughs) Is she hyper fixating on it? (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. Um, My mother also has ADHD. I think I'm allowed to say, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I said it too. So, <laughs> and I do. Think, I think a lot of our conflict is that my mother developed uh, much more uh, severe anxiety than I have. So then, yeah. like, she'll be like, "I understand how you are. This makes you very upset." And I'm like, "That's not your age. right." Well, and 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 also, yeah. When I, you know, when we talk about like um, the trauma of being neurodivergent, right? I think part of it too is we have parents who there was, right. first of all, it was a shock that my sister got diagnosed like in yeah. the early nineties as a girl. Do you know what I mean? Like our mm-hmm. parents, there was like no way they were going to get diagnosed. So they have this like lifetime of like 
having to figure it out. And then Mm -hmm. I think they can get frustrated when their children can't figure it out. And so it's like, everyone has like the best intentions, but it can still be Mm -hmm. traumatizing, you know? Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. It's it's also like, I have a lot of frustration because I don't, I don't think, (laughs) I don't think the internet gives you ADHD, but I do think it has made it much harder to manage. in my my life for example like we're talking about how we don't get enough dopamine and then you know like you'd be in all of a sudden in college I could watch streaming video and like Mm -hmm. it's like what am I gonna do my homework or watch another episode of the office like what is gonna give me more dopamine in this moment um exactly and I do like I do think there's like it's such a shame that like just as like there's like we're getting this is probably overstating how people felt about ADHD that I but like something more like a general consensus that like ADHD was like a real thing and like we can provide them support mm-hmm. and then this gigantic hurdle in terms of like a giant alternative to supply with you yeah. with the things that your brain needs like came into being and it's just uh I don't know if it, that's technically irony, but like, <laughs> it feels very like, ironic. Yeah, at least Alanis Morissette levels. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. It definitely qualifies well, for the song. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it's really frustrating to me when people are like, you know, you see people online, well, not everybody has ADHD, but you don't all, and it's like, yeah, the people who don't have it are probably out like just doing life stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like this is you know, the, I mean, again, these apps, like I'm just thinking mm-hmm. of Twitter and social media, they are designed to provide dopamine. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they are like a slot machine, right? Where yeah. you never know what you're going to get. You might get, oh, look, now I have a like, or I have been retweeted or whatever. And like, and so it is like designed for people who don't have ADHD to induce dopamine. So mm-hmm. of course, like we are on the internet, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, I just, I like, I recently discovered the power of like turning my phone to do not disturb. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm obsessed <laughs> because otherwise it is like this constant, just like yeah. enforcement. Oh no, there's, I have a message. I have this, blah, blah, blah. and so like, I'm super into that right now because I'm like, yeah. oh, I can check when I want to check as opposed to being distracted all the time, you know? Yeah. And then you also like, you get the anhedonic treadmill, right? Where like you yeah. expect a certain amount of likes, oh etc. And then like you're not getting an, as much, you get used to a certain amount of dopamine. And so you're like, no, I have to participate in these platforms more because I'm not getting what I used to get from them. Yes. Uh, yeah. So like I need to participate even more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like kind of going through that right now because over the last couple of months, I had a couple of tweets that went like real viral. And like before it had only been like a few thousand likes, which was you know, but it's like you hit that and it's like, oh, okay, well, it's not enough anymore. <laughs> you know I mean, and so, like, yeah, last, for sure. At the end of last week, I had my first tweet that went over a hundred thousand likes. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, well, now, now I have four. Like, that's not doing it for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need more, you know? And so, and, yeah. then like, and then it can, you know, so much also, I think with ADHD, when something doesn't produce dopamine anymore, then we turn it on ourselves. What's wrong with mm-hmm. me? Yeah. You know? And again, these aren't necessarily conscious things, right? This is just like, well, it worked before. Why isn't it working now? You know, so it's like real like monkey's paw of a situation. I'm like, I got the thing I wanted. (laughs) No, it doesn't work. (laughs) And it is also, ultimately, they're like designed to make you feel bad about yourself. So you want to buy stuff. Although like Twitter is, I think, particularly bad at selling you stuff. But (laughs) it's just like chaos, like constant. Ads are like, you're just like, what is? I keep getting one about like it's like a pen that draws on water. <laughs> I don't That's know. Amazing. <laughs> like, like even now, I'm like, why do yeah, they think I, want? Even, I haven't even. That's amazing. I want that one. Yeah, I, just, I actually I would, would kind of like to buy it. Social media is 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 bad. <laughs> right. But then when you're like a comic, well, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But like, and lots of comics don't use social media which is great for them you yeah know I mean? it's like I'm, yeah it's it, it, sometimes no. like I'm building I'm trying this feels so like cringy to say like trying to build a platform trying to like build yeah a of course like you know 
Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, I enjoy it, but it is also sort of like related to my goals. Like there are comedians that don't have to participate in it, but I do think it is like helpful. Well, and it also, I think maybe might depend on like where you live. Like I see like a, a lot of like New York and LA comics, you know, using social media and, but like living in Portland, which amazing comedy city, like amazing, mm. but it is kind of an outpost, right? And so, <laughs> you know, I don't know that uh, people take it social media as seriously as they would in other cities. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's also just like, they're just so, there are like tons of comedians in New York who like yeah. hate. Well, no, it's, interesting. it's just, there's just like oh, yeah. so many. So, I mean, like I was, I was, I was talking, a shout out to my friend, Matt watching who I don't think is that big on social media, but I'll sure. him. Uh, he was saying like, basically like there are probably, it's basically like, a college there's like probably like 5,000 comedians of one level mm-hmm. or another in New York and it does start sort of start to feel like you're like in, in college yeah. <laughs> with everybody like it's sort of like yeah. you run into people it's the same sort of thing like maybe you don't run into them for a while the drama is stupider though <laughs> oh my gosh I know I think about that so much like and I think that's kind of in every creative scene though where yeah. it's like what it just seems I mean it's it, it's not that it's not important, but it just seems like such high stakes. And then you like step back, you're like, what am I doing? Like, why am I like hyper fixating on <laughs> whatever? I, you know what I mean? Yeah. But. So, I mean, I do think it probably doesn't help that a lot of us are, are neurodivergent <laughs> or uh, with varying levels of diagnoses. I, you know, I think it, I think there are probably people who could use more mental health support. And I think there are probably people in comedy. I, myself probably included who probably think too much <laughs> uh, yeah, because I yeah I was I don't know this person's real name but uh Rain Corp on TikTok uh had a, a TikTok recently about like I love when I'm like going into my depression and not reaching out to anyone because that's when I know my real friends and it's like yeah but the the people who are not w- reaching out to you might also be <laughs> suffering from depression yeah. well I'm also thinking about with ADHD as well and I think this is something that people don't really talk about but mm-hmm. like you know part of the problem with ADHD is we don't have very good object permanence mm-hmm. and that can extend to people and yeah. that doesn't mean we don't love them we don't care about them we don't want to spend time with them but like sometimes it is kind of like out of sight out of mind and I think there are probably some like evolutionary reasons for that right like if like back in the caveman times or whatever, if someone who had like ADHD was like following an antelope for three days to try and kill it, it was probably really helpful that they weren't worried about everyone back at home. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. And the same kind of the poor connection with bodily signals, like not knowing you're hungry, not knowing if you have to pee, like that kind of thing. Well, if you're like hyper-focused, right? I'm not right. fixated, but hyper-focused on something. Right. It makes sense that all of that would kind of like that info would not come through cognitively. You know what I mean? Do you want to real quickly like break down the difference between hyperfixation and hyperfocus? Sure. Yeah. Hyperfocus. I mean, I think of that as just like being able to like lock in and focus on something for like a few hours or like a day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, a few months ago was presenting about ADHD to my colleagues at work. Um, and I knew I had it coming. And of course this is classic ADHD. Like I do not think I did as outside of group projects in grad school. I don't think I had a single paper that I didn't start the day it was due. Right. Which again, like, I'm like, how did I not know at that point? You know? <laughs> anyway, so I had this presentation, I knew it was coming. And then the night before I just like sat down and just like knocked out the presentation. But like when you're hyper-focused like that, like, I mean, already with ADHD, we have often have like pretty significant time blindness, but like, it's like, gone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like 5.30 when I started, I looked up, it was 9.30. It felt like no time had passed. Like right. that kind of internal felt sense of time. Right. And you don't like often it's like in general, we have like less, again, you were mentioning uh connection with our uh, yeah. body, but like hyper-focus mode, like it's gone. The idea that you would, would uh, eat like yeah, <laughs> you, no. like like what are you you don't pee you don't drink water you don't (laughs) yeah sometimes you don't sleep depending I mean in already 
I mean, do you know about like the night watchman theory with ADHD? I do. I, I will say I am a little bit of a morning person, yeah. but I do. No, no, no. Yeah. It's like something like 70%. So right. about 30% is, but it's really so, interesting. Okay. Yeah. For the audience, explain yes. <laughs> so, Again, I've been hyperfixating. <laughs> back to like what, how it's different than hyperfocus. But right. so there's this theory, like it's called the night watchman theory. And a lot of like, I think approximately 70% of people with ADHD, our natural sleep cycle is 2 a.m. to 10 a.m., like if we were like left to our own devices. And it's so interesting to me because it's always two. It's not one, it's not four, it's two. Like kind of like left to our own devices, that's when we would go to sleep. And it makes sense, like probably we were the ones who were able to stay up a little later and like make sure that there wasn't a lion coming to eat the babies. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) But often, you know, people with, well, autism and ADHD, just we often sleep terribly just in general anyway, but- so I'm very happy for you that you're able to be a morning person. That's, it makes life a lot easier for sure. I, yeah, I, I, except when Eric, me. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. So to, to redirect, still, yeah. let me see if I've got it right. Okay. So to me, hyperfocus describes like a present state of mind when you are like literally the only thing you're thinking about is what you're doing and it usually lasts hours sometimes i I think it's probably is different from like flow flow state but i think yeah yeah but because the the pressure behind it Mm -hmm. you know whereas i've always thought of flow is just more like but i don't know yeah i don't know what Uh, that would but yeah so hyper (laughs) (laughs) so hyper focus is like a state of mind Mm -hmm. where literally you're only thinking about one thing and you're trying usually it is about trying to accomplish something a hyperfixation will last for a, a while and it won't be like the only thing you're thinking about but it will be a thing you think about a lot, a lot. and I guess you can hyper focus on a hyperfixation I guess yes. yeah exactly but it can last I mean and again like I said earlier like until the dopamine's rung out and the thing that's so frustrating to me about hyperfixations is there is at least for me, no sign that it's, it's just like, again, like I was saying with food, uh, it's everything, the thing I want to eat is delicious. And the next day it's disgusting. I don't know. Right. I don't know what the difference is there, you know? Right. Um, and the same with like people, I was like, that's kind of how you can tell the difference between a crush and hyperfixation. <laughs> if one day you're like, Ugh. <laughs> like, then it probably wasn't a crush. <laughs> it's just hyperfixation. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and from my understanding that shows up more for like femmes than for mm. mass people. Right. Probably yeah. like socialization stuff going on. And there. It's also like, I don't know. I think it can be hard <laughs> to tell <laughs> like what is like, for example, there are a lot of people, there is a, a thought and we can, we can talk about this, that femmes are like much easier at better at, at masking, I think particularly in autism, but also ADHD too. And I think I'm more and more convinced that we're, they're not actually better at masking mm-hmm. and people are just like not looking for it. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, this is a fictional character. Okay. <laughs> sure. But like an example is like people were arguing over whether or not uh, the character Haley on Modern Family was autistic, which uh, she's a fictional character. I, the only character I know for 100% sure is autistic is Sheldon. Like it's so crazy yeah, to me right. that he still does not have a diagnosis. Like, why you? But anyway, um, sure. but like this came up on uh, TikTok where like people were like, well, she's like really into like girly stuff. That's not uh, a special interest. And it's like literally the only thing she cares about is fashion, like her right. entire life. Like just because yeah. it's not trains doesn't mean it's not exactly. a special interest. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. more like socially acceptable special yeah. interest organizations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah I've never I'm so bad I've like never seen any like I've watched so little tv but so I don't know the father and modern family is definitely uh neurodivergent of some kind anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> no no, no also like you know yeah they're fictional characters so like they have the whatever traits are necessary for the story too it doesn't matter but, but like I do think like writers, I do th- yeah yeah but I do think it is 
I am sure there are, are women who have grown up exhibiting, like not masking any better than men, but because their special interests are like seen as feminine, people are and or, like normal things for mm-hmm. girls to be obsessed with, right? And like the Haley character is like particularly ditzy because like literally she only cares about fashion and mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. again like. <laughs> yeah right yeah. <laughs> right i was gonna be like don't write me about whether or not you think hayley duffy has uh autism but actually do because i need the engagement give me sure <laughs> yeah exactly please <laughs> please please the engagement yeah I mean, you know it's interesting though speaking of tiktok it really is i don't know i feel like younger people are so much more like informed and like just like kinder i'm just mm-hmm. thinking of what's his name francois the train guy mm-hmm. um and how yes. everyone like, loves him and he's he is so adorable and it's just like oh my god 20 years ago like he would yeah. not have been able to or there's a sweet kid who's super he's into playing up on those podcasts before before everyone loves Francois the train he's just so excited you know it's like how can you not be happy for him it's like such pure (laughs) yes it's like pure exactly yeah Yeah. there's a kid who super into plants like and he will give you advice on you know what I mean and I just there are a lot of problems with TikTok but I think yeah able to give people a platform who would have never ever ever had one before right it's there's just something like kind of beautiful about it you know yeah yeah TikTok really does the intermittent reinforcement. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And of course, I think because they've been so successful, I, I see, I've seen a, a change in, for example, the Twitter algorithm since like TikTok mm-hmm. came on the scene. Like it used to be, <laughs> now it's just going to sound sad that I've noticed this, but like it used to be like based on like it would show, your tweets to like a pretty reliable Mm -hmm. amount of people initially based on like Mm -hmm. how many followers you had and I I just don't think it does that anymore I think it's like much more like uh, like dynamic yeah yeah Um, because again because like yeah if you you (laughs) it's like for people who intermittent reinforcement means like instead of like every time you ring the bell, I get food. Sometimes you ring the bell and I get like a little bit of food. And sometimes you mm-hmm. ring the bell and I get tons of food. And sometimes you ring the bell and I don't get any food. And that is more of an addictive process. Yes. Absolutely. Just ringing the bell and getting food. <laughs> Sorry, I made myself a dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have loved yourself essentially. <laughs> Yeah. But it's for my comedy career. <laughs> I'm working. I'm working. <laughs> but I mean, that's, I think they're like these conspiracy theories around the TikTok algorithm, right? Like they're like, oh, if you don't make a video for a while and then you make one, mm-hmm. that's more likely to like go viral. And if they see you really working hard and like making a lot of edits and stuff in the app, well, they know you really care. So you're probably going to keep making videos, but someone who just makes a rant and it's just like, oh my God, we don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know about the TikTok algorithm, but I am pretty damn sure that the Instagram algorithm just randomly picks videos <laughs> to show to more people. Like, because yeah. it, it, it like, I think the TikTok algorithm is more sensitive to how many people watch it. Although occasionally it'll be like two people watch it. And I'm like, that's on you. That's not on me. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you only showed it to two people. That is not a reflection. Right. But yeah, I mean, like also, I don't think people say this anymore, but like a big thing when I first joined TikTok, people kept being like, you need to leave the app immediately after you post a TikTok yes. because they want you to come back on the app so it'll like keep sending your video out to more people to get more notifications and I was like I do not think that's true yeah or yeah or or put it on private for a while and then unprivate it and then (laughs) yeah I mean the yeah yeah it's that I'm trying to like summon some god we're like okay (laughs) if I just do things the right way like we're doing a ceremony I I say that I am I am semi-secretly doing a 90-day real challenge on Instagram which is almost oh that's wow I'm impressed that you're able to do that like I mean no I like I've always posted a lot of reels since it came out and then but I was was, like for people who don't know a a lot 
a lot of people who are in multi-level marketing schemes will be on Instagram and be like, you have to post 90 days. That's the secret. Ah, and I've see. never, I've never done that before. So I was always in the back of my mind. I'm like, it's because I'm only posting like 80 reels every three months. Like that's Here. why I'm not famous. So if I, <laughs> <laughs> so if I do 90 days, then I'll become famous or, but that's in the back of my head. But my stated belief is like, well, if I do it and I don't become famous, then I don't need to like blame myself anymore. It's also like, I am very burnt out about it at the moment. I bet. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and it's, I'm just thinking like the biggest video I ever had on TikTok was actually also my biggest reel, but it was mm-hmm. um, one of my stand up clips, a joke about ADHD. So I think mm-hmm. also the algorithm just likes that, right? There are people who want to know more about ADHD. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so I mean, it certainly didn't do nearly as well on Instagram as it did on TikTok, but that's, I think, again, yeah. normal. But- I mean, yeah. I also think like this has been so much about social media, but you know, what, what, what are you gonna yeah. do? Like that's where we met. Like it didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like. Uh, I do think like having a niche is like very useful, but I'm like, I'm unwilling to do it's I, hard. Like, yeah especially like there are people on tiktok who make just like a some basically the same joke like over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. and i'm like i like i would rather die yes. <laughs> i'm like very like happy for you but like, well i mean it's just like the internet of the past right. it was more about like the person and their interest as opposed right. to hyper-specific right. carve out you know which again yeah. like- and I mean like I, I also get it like I'm sure like the people who follow me because of like my like insight into like um, the 1970s like banking law that is a real tweet I had from <laughs> I'm sure they're like a little bit like I can understand whether like why is this girl tweeting about how horny she is all of the time like I sure, love her, sure. her like feminist history take like I understand like the, like, it's like but, I contain multitudes what are what are you supposed to, like what am I supposed yeah, to do yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. I mean? <laughs> Both of like, can be true. I delete so many of my horny tweets because like it's like the next day I'm like oh oh <laughs> that didn't work that didn't give me the dopamine I gotta get rid of it Just gotta get out of here <laughs> so it's like they don't have to deal with it for long I guess <laughs> yeah but it's hard to kind of you know really I don't know it's again it's gross to like for me at least feels like oh this is my brand this is my platform you know what I mean because I'm just like I'm also a person right, who has been yeah. in social media a very long time for mm-hmm. a very long time and it's like it's yeah hard to, like and again, I think that's probably like maybe we're slightly like the younger people maybe really like think of themselves as like content creators, and but sure. like we're sure. still like from like the social part of social media. Granted, like I th- I also call myself a content creator. I just want to be clear, but yeah. like yeah, I mean it's it's tough. You gotta do what's best for you, which honestly is probably to not be. <laughs> I said we're going to get my dopamine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like learning about tragedies in sports. <laughs> true. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. I don't know if we've accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. <laughs> I think we like took a lot of meandering turns. I mean, yeah. Actually, I really, you did. Have, you like were able to define hyperfocus and hyperfixation way better than I was. <laughs> I mean, I think. I mean. Again, like I, I, I think I've already said this, but I have ADHD. So this podcast is gonna have ADHD. I, there, you know, I could edit it or like something, but or this, I, this is literally a hobby. Like I, yeah, no. I mean, it's technically, fun. I have a Patreon, but uh, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, I, I, I do this for free. Oh, <laughs> Like my therapy sessions often are like this, you know, and I, mm-hmm. and I've had clients tell me like, they appreciate that we can just kind of follow along together, right, you know, yeah. so when we talk about like neurodivergent therapists with neurodivergent clients, but at the same time, I've also had clients be like, all right, like I need some more structure, you know, right. which is great. 
I always appreciate that feedback because it's mm. like not naturally what I do, but it's also not my time. I'm there, right? Yeah, whatever I need. So then we can put some structure into place. But this feels very much like how <laughs> so we're just like, let's follow along. Let's like follow, like let's tug on these threads. What's interesting, you yeah. know? I mean, again, I think it's like useful. Like if if a neurotypical person could like. I, I feel like to understand this conversation, I think will be very difficult for a neurotypical person. But I also think that maybe that I, I don't have any evidence for this. I'm, I'm going to just state it as fact. I think maybe that's sort of how it feels for us to try and like yeah. have a focused conversation. Um, and I, I do want to circle back. You've mentioned it like in passing a couple of times, but I do want to just... Well, I mean, so like when you were talking about the night watchman theory, like Mm -hmm. there's a theory, I guess, that neurodiversity exists because we need different people in the Mm -hmm. tribe to do different things. It makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense to me. And we Mm -hmm. like, we do have something to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, and it comes back to like thinking about you know, ADHD in like a deficit way or a strength-based way, right? Right. By training, I'm a social worker. So we think about things as strength-based, right? Like um, ADHD people are often highly creative. We are Mm -hmm. the masters at efficiency. We are the ones who make things way more efficient because (laughs) there is some part of our brain that's like, I got to get this task done. The dopamine's going to run out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. Um, You know, that hyper-focus, like I say, back in like caveman times, that hyper-focus was fantastic if we were like trying to hunt or if we were the people who were to like go off and find a new place to like for everyone to move or, you know what I mean? It's not just the executives. And this is where I have the problem with the DSM and I have this with mm-hmm. autism too, right? But with ADHD in particular, the DSM, the list of, of, I mean, it's symptoms. I think of it as traits, but it's symptoms are what is going to piss your teacher or your boss off. Mm-hmm. It is not really reflective of our internal experience, external experiences, the way our brains work, mm-hmm. like a strength-based way of looking at I mean, and, and when I work with people, so much of the work I do is around self-compassion, self-acceptance, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and like that leaves room for, okay, what are the things that I, I do that work for me? What are the things that need to change? But when you feel like everything about you needs to change, how can you change anything? You know, it's like overwhelming. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, I think of like cleaning, right? Like I call it, I don't, I made this up as I call it like popcorn cleaning. If I'm cleaning, I might do like half a task and go do something else and like, and in the end, it all gets done. Technically, do <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, like, that's- <laughs> and there's like nothing wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, if it was causing problems in someone's life, that's a different story. But it's, right. it's like being able to step back, and 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 so much. I think, you know, it's like that self acceptance, and also just like mindfulness, which doesn't have to mean meditation, right? Mm-hmm. Mindfulness of just like, I, there's a type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, which I love for ADHD because mm-hmm. it, 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 well, one of it's like, one of it is like, what are your values are the choices you're making, like in line with the person you want to be. And then also it's like developing this mindfulness, for example, like with rejection, sensitive, like rejection, sensitivity, rejection, sensitive dysphoria where, and and when I try to explain this to people, it's like, nobody likes feeling rejected, but with ADHD, it's like this instantaneous, really huge reaction often, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I, so I like for myself, I have learned to know, I know what that feels like. So when I feel that I take a step, I have enough awareness to take a step back and let myself calm down because often when I come back and like read the text or the email or whatever, what I read is not what was actually there. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? And so being able to like have mindfulness and know, oh, this is my ADHD lets us have room for more self-compassion right. and yeah. change if wanted. For again, for the neurotypicals playing along. Thank you. You're doing such a good job. I'm giving you a thumbs up right now. But uh, <laughs> people with ADHD often experience like a lot of rejection because we're a lot we're always talking about our hyper fixations when other people are supposed to talk for example the extra like you know I feel like the term extra just is like the adult version of quirky like if you were a quirky kid you're a neurodivergent if you're extra as an adult you're totally ADHD. Like we, we can be a lot right yeah you know? and uh because we experience like a lot of rejection we can then become a hyper sensitive to to it to where even like 
uh, well-meaning minor feedback feels like the end of the world. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I mean, and talk about like comedy, right, is full of rejection, you right. know, for yes. a million different reasons. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's, that is something I've really, especially over the last couple of years, really had to, and I thought like, when I first learned about rejection sensitivity, I was like, oh no, like I went to like, I have a writing degree from an art school. Like I've had my, I'm okay. And then I was like, oh, actually no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like kind of a newly discovered kind of yeah. trait. And, and so there's not a lot of research on it yet. You know, I at first thought, oh, it's like a trauma response, but then I've had, and I get, you know, I've, ex- I've experienced this myself as well, but I've also have clients who've taken medication and it gets better. And to me, I'm like, that, how is that a trauma response? You know? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we just don't know enough about it yet. There's yeah. it's really just kind of beginning to be understood. So yeah, it is like interesting too. Like I'm thinking also about like depression, like mm-hmm. a lot of like, like a common way that people have been describing depression for like 20 years is like an easy way for people to wrap their mind around mm-hmm. it is that mm-hmm. it's a chemical imbalance in mm-hmm. your brain. Uh, right. Which is like a, an easy way to understand it, but we actually right. don't know if that's what's going on yes. at all. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I am of the mind that all like mental illness, if we're going to call it that, is like socially mediated, of right? Course. Like yeah. live in a sick society. I mean, I can speak for American society. Our society <laughs> is very sick and people wouldn't be as Europe depressed. Isn't as... Yeah. Well, they I think, mean, I... they think it's, they think it's much better than it. It's, not yeah. capitalism is bad everywhere <laughs> no absolutely exactly but like we are living through like late right. stage capitalism like the collapse of an empire of right. course people are depressed like of course people you know if people don't have their basic needs met of course people are depressed right i mean but even like things like schizophrenia and some cultures the voices that people hear when they experience mm-hmm. schizophrenia are kind and gentle they okay. aren't cool Right. You know what I mean? So even like when it comes, which, you know, schizophrenia is a form of neurodivergence, right? But Mm -hmm. even some, you know, for people who experience something like that, it is culturally mediated. Right. I mean, mean, there's also, I don't, I don't want to be fetishizing any, (laughs) any cultures that I, but I, it is my understanding that there are uh, societies where people with schizophrenia are understood to be um, accessing other worlds right. and that the work that they do to either heal themselves from schizo- it depends on the site or like to to mediate that reaction to the world like that helps them become healer like it's not yeah yeah of course yeah 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 well I mean and it's interesting right because so many things have been medicalized in mental right. health, right? Yeah. Um, to be part of this insurance system, which I could rant about for another hour. <laughs> I'm not going to do, <laughs> right? But I, like, I, so, I don't know anybody who thinks like the insurance system in America is good. No, no, it's not even, I mean, it's, it's, well, it's bad, obviously, but like mental yeah. health and being kind of professionalized into the medical system, as opposed to what it is, which is, it's different, but right. to insurance, to pay for it, we have to diagnose, we have to, and so often we're working backwards, right? Yeah. This is like I'm saying, like the treatment resistant anxiety. And this also goes with often people with ADHD have treatment resistant depression because they're depressed because their life is so freaking hard mm-hmm. to survive under capitalism. Right. right. So when when if people are able to access medication and that works for them, then the depression often resolves or at least gets a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But but yeah, when we talk about like chemical imbalances and like SSRIs and and SNRIs and all that, like we don't really know how they work. Right. I don't know. I'm very excited. Like Oregon, um, we legalized, it hasn't started yet, but legalized therapeutic psilocybin. I'm super excited to see where that goes because it is, it's about a connecting effect. Like literally like right. there are differences in the neurons to help people connect. Because I mean, I'm, I'm specifically a trauma therapist and mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, and again, neurodivergent people are traumatized. Of course I have neurodivergent <laughs> clients, um, but I, PTSD and complex PTSD are not, it is not just the trauma, right? Like that's necessary, but the, mm-hmm. what happens is when people don't have the correct or not the correct, the best community support, mm-hmm. that's where PTSD and complex PTSD come from. It's not, the trauma is there, but it's people experience trauma and don't get PTSD. Right. 
it is because the lack of community connection and community support is there. It's sort of a <laughs> tangent. I Sorry. get, um, but uh, <laughs> Sorry to the nurses. <laughs> Sorry to this man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to put a disclaimer at the beginning to be like, this is going to be hard to follow if you don't have ADHD, but you should try. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's tough because people, like, my brain is structured differently in the way we've this. Mm-hmm. And so, like, of course, like, basically everything in my life is affected by that. But I get like, when people will be like, you're pathologizing everything. It's like, I don't really think of my, like, <laughs> I just need to finish my sentence. Okay. Yes. I, I think pretty much everything I do is because of my ADHD. Cause I think yes. like, yeah. I have a, 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 that's my brain. Like, I don't yes. know how anybody's brain is like not defined that way. But mm-hmm. I also just think, I do also think sometimes there's a problem in like people thinking like, oh, all difference is fine. Like all difference is valid, but like people who are different, who li- especially who live in this society, that's like mm-hmm. so fast paced. That's so m- meet your target goals. Like, of course we're going to need extra support. And I, I don't know. I've seen a couple of TikToks being like, people used to understand that I had ADHD, so I needed support. And now that it's so normalized, people don't get that. I never really understood it. In the past, I, I, I think people are always pretty skeptical yeah. of this is an ADHD. And now I, they're like maybe a little bit skeptical of support needs. But again, like yeah. everybody, everybody needs support. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. very few people are getting it now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that the kind of ADHD community is a little bit behind the autistic community of being able to understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's not pathologizing to say that everything, the way that we move through the world and the way that we experience the world is mediated by ADHD, because that is like, I mean, and they can, there are like differences you can see on MRI in an ADHD mm-hmm. brain and yeah, in a neurotypical brain, you know what I mean? Like literal, you know, some parts are bigger, some parts are smaller than a typical brain, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but to have that kind of um, identity, you know what I mean? It is kind of seen as like, oh, well, it's just harder for you to do some stuff, you know, which again, support is needed for that too. It, it's not this understanding that it is literally how we experience the world is different. Right. I do think it can be just like as simple as like linguistic, e- like, so for people who don't know within disability communities, it, and it depends on the disability, the particular disability, how they prefer it. But there is a movement for disability first language. So not person with autism, but right. autistic person, because mm-hmm. there, like, there is no separating who you are from the structure of your brain. And I just think that the phrase autistic person uh, is <laughs> so much like a, just works better than yeah. any version of that with ADHD like sometimes people will be like ADHD person and I'm like no right <laughs> yeah or I seen like ADHD or yeah I try that I think sometimes the problem is we don't have a good word yet <laughs> I think if we had a better word there'd be more like adoption yeah yeah exactly point of view, but we just don't have a better word yet <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yes but yeah, exactly. but yeah this kind of identity and I think there is kind of this more becoming well I should say that like, as a therapist, I feel like I'm probably more on the radical side as far as like affirming neurodiversity and things like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in groups like that. And, but I think this understanding with autistic people, right. We don't say like um, high functioning or low functioning anymore, or we shouldn't Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. everyone has different support needs. It depends on how well someone's able to mask that kind of thing. And I think that it also can go with ADHD as well. People can be very capable in some ways and need help in other ways, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like you say, just like everyone, but yeah. there's just not, I mean, under this cap, I mean, and I think when we talk, we talked a little bit about medication earlier, right? Like the medication is there so that we can survive under capitalism. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have to survive under capitalism and we had the support we needed, we wouldn't need medic. Well, I can say I wouldn't need medication, <laughs> but I am a single person like trying to like, you know, have a job and uh, you know what I mean? And do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I'm very grateful to have access to medication, yeah. you know, I have to pay out of pocket for, you know, a very expensive medication. It's so expensive. 
Uh, it's so expensive. And it's like I pay like $13 send us to, to be able to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no real tips. Exactly. Exactly. But like I have to pay $13 a day to be able to work to afford my $15 day medication, you know? Um, right. Yeah. You know, but but I've also worked with clients who were able to opt out of capitalism in some ways and they were completely fine without meds, you right. know, it's, it's because of capitalism that we need the meds and then medical ableism that we can't get it a lot of the time. It's really frustrating. Right, yeah. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> not fun for us. <laughs> we're not partying on this medication. We're like, Oh, I can do the dishes and the laundry. Oh my God. I feel so accomplished. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also uh, this is a very common thing to say, but I do think it's worth noting. Like if I was addicted to it, I would not forget to take it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll finish there. Okay. I, I had so much fun. Uh, I think this will be like really instructive. I hope people <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I, you know, I, yeah. it'll be great. Where, where can people find you? So my Twitter and my Instagram are Eliza isn't funny. And mm-hmm. then my TikTok is Eliza dot isn't dot funny because someone stole my name, <laughs> which was very rude of them. Um, <gasps> that's my platform <laughs> yes but that's yeah best place to find me online but um and I am not taking any new therapy clients so please do not come to me for that <laughs> I'm full I have a wait list it's not happening so <laughs> but I do encourage people who are neurodivergent to try to find neurodivergent therapists because I think it makes a difference so yeah absolutely okay uh yeah, like and subscribe you. to the podcast rate and review rate and review that's <laughs> looking for uh thank thanks so much eliza this has been great yeah thanks for having me i'm so excited yeah yay okay